are listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life Moscow Campus, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Super excited to be here with you this morning. My name is Josh Gray. I get the privilege of being the lead servant here is what I call myself because that's what I want to be. I want to serve really, really well. And I, I just appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to do that. And uh, thank you for, for allowing me to be here. So... Uh, we're going to dive into our sermon series here in Forever Change. Before we do that, I want to clarify just a couple pieces of transition. Uh, our church has been going through transition, and it's been going through it really, really well. Um, and we've had lots of changes, right? Amen? Yeah. We've had lots of changes at our church, and God's hand has been on it. You know, we have, we have this thing called Momentum. And God is moving us forward in, in a lot of different areas. And one of my big, uh, really big privileges, is what I'd like to call it, uh, our opportunities was to uh, help us retool our staffing and praying, you know, uh, pretty intently about who would God bring for us? Like, obviously, uh, Kelly left with her husband. Like, I mean, <laughs> I thought she was dedicated to the Lord, but apparently she, no. Um, so we've been searching for a worship pastor and, um, and had different interviews, and, and we have, uh, made an offer, and we have a guy, and, uh, Greg and Christina, they're coming. They were here last week. Um, she sent me a text message, and she said, and she's lived in this area in Southern California her whole life, kind of born and raised there as far, as far as I remember. Their first house is there. They have to sell their house and all those things. And she, I was praying for her, and I, she sent me a text message, and she said, I left my heart in Idaho. I feel like I have to come back here to get my stuff. I was like, mm. I was like, that's our people. And, and our elders have got a chance to spend time with them. are like, he's kind of a music nerd, like way up here. Like he teaches at the college level, um, but he has got a shepherd's heart. And that's what I've been praying for, that God would bring us a uh, worship pastor who's got a shepherding heart and is sensitive to God's uh, spirit and calling. Um, and if he could kind of sing, that'd be great too, or he or she. And, uh, and he gave us both. And so that's happening. Um, we were able to, to make a decision on a men's guy this last week, which was one of the best days of my entire life. I'll tell you about that more later. So about September 8th, uh, I'm gonna, if you guys all make sure you come on September 8th, because I'm going to introduce to you the team that God has assembled for this next, uh, this next jaunt into real life's future. And, uh, and you'll get to know, like, oh, what does that guy do? Okay, he's been around. I know that. I know that. But you get to meet our team and hear a little bit about them and share a little vision about where we're going with this team and how we're all together. So I'm super excited about that. So uh, the other thing I want to share is uh, Coach Jensen um, has exited. And some of you may or may not be aware of that. And it was a, uh, a, a very well-discussed exit. He's not mad. He actually says hi to all of you. He misses real life. He loves you guys. But apparently in the coaching world, that happens really, really fast. I didn't know that. I was, well, I guess I did know that. And um, I wanted Rod to, to, to stay, and he thought he was going to be staying through uh, uh, January and retiring in January uh, is what his plan was. And um, then he got uh, offered an opportunity at Utah State. And one of the things that Rod shared with me is that he wanted to end his 42-year career in coaching on his own terms. 
He wanted to not get fired, uh, which is how most people end their careers in coachings. And he wanted to end it on his own terms. And I could see his heart and his eyes behind that and how he wanted to set up some people that he loved for success. And we had talked about that. He came over and talked to me on a Friday. We're 100% good. I love Rod. I wish he would stay here forever. Um, but when you don't see Coach Jensen around here, maybe he'll, uh, we'll get a video from him. But when you don't see him around here, nothing's wrong. Nothing happened bad. That just happens fast. And it was with my blessing to him that it would happen fast. He didn't leave us in a lurch. He asked, he would have done whatever. But I, as I understand what his needs are and what, what the needs of the organization he was going to, it made sense for him to, to go. So if you don't see Coach Jensen, it's not because anything's wrong. Um, that's just the way it is. And I want us to do a great job of communicating what's going on within our team and our staffing. So you're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. There's not any room for anybody to play any bad thoughts in our heads because we're good, Okay. All right, cool. All right, let's dive into something awesome here. I'm pretty excited about this. I should probably tie myself to this podium because I'm kind of antsy. Um, so we're talking about Simon Peter and how he was forever changed. And so Jesus approaches Simon Peter uh, on the Sea of Galilee, which you'll see this thing right here. It says the Sea of Galilee. Now, when I got the privilege to go to Israel in 2015, I had read through the text and you understood all these things that happened around the Sea of Galilee. And I was like, man, this is just going to be like the holiest place ever. I can't wait to even get like near it. This is going to be so cool. And it is, and it's awesome. But it was kind of like Lake Coeur d'Alene on the 4th of July when I was there. It was Sukkot, and you couldn't put your foot between a tent on any given spot on the beaches there. And so we're in the bus cruising along, and I'm looking over there, and like, guys are on like jet skis and they're on like they're on they're on the surfing boats and like they're doing their thing on the Sea of Galilee. I was like, is that can you do that? But it's kind of like Lake Coeur d'Alene for them. And so um, it was super, it's super awesome. But this is where Jesus is meeting uh, Peter uh, as, a, as a fisherman. And so let's dive into the text. So Sea of Galilee is where we are. And while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. That's better than casting a net into the dirt. Um, and he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, does that, that's kind of weird. Like, you're just leaving your nets, gone. Some of you may have heard, heard a little bit about this, but let me, let's put it in context to understand why would you just leave your nets? So, in the Jewish world then, and even today, getting called by a rabbi is a huge deal. So when they would go to school, called Bet Sefer, uh, they, would, they would go to school and uh, uh, guys and girls would go to school and around 12 girls would stop going because they were going to get married and guys could maybe go all the way to 15. And then if you were good enough, you got to go beyond 15. You got to be a Talmudian. You got to be somebody that was called by a rabbi and you could study underneath them. And if you studied underneath them and, and you were really, really good and excellent, maybe by the time you were 30, you could start teaching, like you would be like, like this is a long process. And so Peter and his brother got cut. They got cut. That, you know why we know they got cut? Because they were doing their father's trade. They were fishing. Even to this day, the little Jewish boys, they have cards, like rabbi cards. Like, this is rabbi, blah, 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 blah. They're like, yes, I got it. Look at the card I got. Like, this is my day to myself, baseball cards, anything, right? Like, yes, this is so awesome. And like, they would be so cool. Like the dad, like, well, why is his dad mad? Now he's got to do all this work. No, it would be like if, um, if say you love basketball and say your favorite player is Steph Curry, okay? 
I'll use you for an example, sir. I know you play basketball. So he's like, so Steph Curry's like, hey, Ben, follow me. Let's go. I'm going to show you how to, how to do it and like crossovers and like all this other stuff. Follow me. And you're like, yeah, but I, but I play basketball at Moscow High School. No, no, follow me. You're like, bye-bye. I'm gone. I think I can learn more. Like, you're jacked up and excited. Or if it's baseball or if it's football or if whatever it is for you, if, if you're a musician and say you're like fangirling over Switchfoot and they're like, hey, Gus, follow us. <laughs> and Gus is like, peace, real life. I'm gone. I'm following, I'm following these guys. So it's a big deal and you could see why they just drop their nets. They're ready to go. Okay? Um, so let me ask you this. Do you believe that you have been called? Are the called guys just the ones standing up on the stage? Right? Are the, called, are the called people ones that maybe get paid by a church? That's not what we find. I get the privilege to serve here for as long as you let me. And I hold my calling like this for serving here, but I'll serve. I was serving the Lord before I was in ministry. I might've been doing it better. I was fully involved in home groups and serving home groups and coaching home groups and had my full-time job and was sold out because my life had been forever changed. So do you believe you've been called? And are you going to answer that call? Are you going to answer that call? Are you doing it before? doesn't matter. You were called. Jesus called you a kingdom, or they called you a kingdom of priests. Right where you are, wherever your job is, whatever your age is, you are called to represent God really, really well. To show him off the best that you can. So this next discussion comes at Caesarea Philippi, way on the top here. And we got to go there as well. It's a really like cool, like it's not as deserty. Like it, it was pretty amazing uh, spot. And so Jesus is interesting when you think about what message he's talking about right here. So he's sitting there with his disciples at Caesarea Philippi. And so here's what he's saying. He says, now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, what do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gates of hell do not prevail against whose church? Jesus Christ's church. So here's the cool thing, guys. We got the end of the story already. Do you know that we've already won? Like the, like the big, big, big game of like eternity, is, we've already won. Like you could celebrate like, woo! Like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, but what about all the stuff that's happening? What about these school shootings? What about the gun violence? What about the knife violence? What about, and those are the, the things we hear about are not even remotely the worst. They won't even share with you what the worst is. But we won. 
We won. And so we have to do our part of it. And it's interesting when he's talking about this, the gates of hell. So this looks like the place that I climbed up through with the group that I went to where we had to climb underneath some barbed wire and around a fence to overlook. I don't think we we're supposed to be there. Looks like a photo from that area though. And so this is, this is the gates of hell. This is Caesarea Philippi. So Jesus is talking about this and he says the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Why would he be here doing this? This area is gross. This area, this is sacrifice city, like things that your, your accountability software would go nuts on if you even researched it. This is the gross of the gross. This was where the, the God of Pan was. This is where, ah, like when they would think, it's probably unclean for them to even look at it. To even be, like this is gross. And Jesus is saying the gates of hell, this kind of stuff right here, where these gods are believed to go underground and then come back up, this stuff will not prevail against his church. And you, 2019 Moscow real life attenders, members, sold out people for Jesus, how do we become rocks that God can build his church on. But do you want to be a rock that God will build his church on? Like, yeah, that's a good invitation. And here's the cool thing. We already know what the answer is because it's in the... You guys remember? It's in the text. He already tells us how. Matthew 4.19, he says, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. There's a series that I'm thinking about doing with our church that uh, I had done probably seven or eight years ago, and it's from a, a church in Texas, but I loved it. It was called Not a Fan. And it said, are you a fan of Jesus? Are you a follower of Jesus? Do you cheer for Jesus and like, yay, you did a good job, Jesus. And I see some of your people doing good jobs too. Those guys are good too, yay. Or are you a follower of Jesus? Are the fans cheering for you because you're in the game? You're in the ministry. You're doing the work that God has called you to do because you know you were called and you're doing it right where you are. And how do we get there? We have to be willing to be made. Come and follow me and I will make you. Is anybody already there? Are we already completely made and we don't need anything else from the Lord? We got it. And you can choose to let God make you at whatever rate you're actually desiring to have him be made. You can be 12 years old in here and dive into the text and really understand the Lord and have your heart drastically changed or you can be 50 and decide to start doing that. But we get to choose and we know how to become the rock that he'll build it on is by following him, right? What was the last thing they said that he said to uh, Peter in that first phrase? He said, follow me, is that right? Hold on to that thought. So um, how about this? What happens when you blow it? Here we have Peter, right? Jesus said, you're going to deny me, Peter, three times. I would never do that, Lord. Never. We're in Luke. They see, then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. When, uh, when they had kindled a fire, and in the middle of the courtyard sat down together, Peter sat down among them. 
Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking at him closely, said, this man was with him. But he denied it, saying, woman, no, I did not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you are, you also are one of them. And Peter said, man, just like that, man, I'm not. Strike two. And after the interval of about an hour, still another insisted saying, certainly this man also was with him for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you were talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So where I paused this week, I was trying to think about that. Like how I'll use I statements, how I view the Lord looks at me tells me a lot about what I think about him. So at many, many times, this is the way that I view that the Lord would have looked at Peter in my life. And so like the third time he denies him, Told you. Thanks. Blew it. Whatever. The word for look there is emblepo. And if you look at the definition of emblepo, it means something different. It means to look at with, like believe in the possibilities in. Believe Believe that, that, that you still got it even though you messed it up. What if, what if this was the look that the Lord was giving Peter? I don't know, I wasn't there, but I'm gonna ask when I get there. Um, and, and he looks back and he's just like, it's all right, it's all right. Hey, hey, you, you still got me. It's okay, I knew it was gonna happen, I love you. You can do this. Remember, you're the rock that I'm gonna build this church on. And I know you made a mistake, but it's okay. I got, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. It's okay. I believe in you. I love you. You're good. Go get him. And uh, Peter remembered the saying of the Lord and how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. You can blow it. You have blown it. Some of you have made giant mistakes in your life, right? Like just giant ones. You're just like, oh, I never hope nobody ever learns that about me. You know what that doesn't, you know what that means? So, you know that the discussion, rabbinical discussion here, uh, they think a lot of times they'll talk about that what Peter did was worse than what Judas did. Like, oh, Yeah. Yeah, well, Peter denied him. I mean, Judas just gave him up, but Peter, like, straight up denied him. Like, that's horrible. That's worse. And it's interesting to see what the Lord does with us when we make mistakes. When they had finished breakfast, this is afterwards, right? So this is the, the Jesus had died and, and, and rose. So uh, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, uh, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? 
And he said, yeah. He said to him, yeah, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, this makes me feel so good. Third time, full, full redemption. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, uh, do you love me? He said, and he ran to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. After, uh, and after following him, he said this, or after saying this, he said this to him. Follow me. Didn't he say follow me the very first time? And didn't Peter follow him the best he could and then blow it a bunch of times over and over and over and over again? And then he redeems him and then he says, follow me. Does this mean when you start following Jesus that life's roses? You make this great decision and and nothing's going to happen to you? Whether you make a decision to follow Jesus or not follow Jesus, life is going to happen to you. You're going to have great things happen to you and really poor things happen to you and horrible things happen to you whether you choose to follow him or not. But how you view it and how you react to it would be quite different when you're following him. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Real life. As though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of the glory of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if any one of you suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. One of the things that we're doing that we did on our staff retreat is we told our stories. There's 15 of us on the staff retreat and we had a template and we were to write out our stories, our complete stories. And each staff member was given 15 to 30 minutes to tell their story. And that's what we did, obviously, for hours. And I had worked with people for seven years and I didn't know the depths of their stories. And what we want to do is we want to equip you all to be able to share your story because your story matters. Your story told correctly, inspired by God, matters and will encourage other people to follow God. And we see Peter's story being laid out here of being called, of not being good enough on the front end and being cut and then being called and dropping his nets and then following and blowing it and messing it up and following, blowing it and messing it up and then to be redeemed and then follow me. Why would he tell you any different story? You are a rock. He is building his church on all of you in here right now. Your story matters. He died for it. 
He died for us. That's a good story worth telling, how Jesus has changed your life, how you have been forever changed. So we're going to go into our time of communion. If you're serving communion, thank you so very much. Head on back there. Uh, we pass communion through uh, every Sunday. Um, it, we have an open table. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please take it. If not, let it go by. Um, but, but really when we think about what God has done and what he's doing, you know, he's using a perfect God is using very imperfect people to partner with and tell his story. And we get to choose when we want to partner with them. We get to choose how much we want to partner with them, how much we want to be transformed, and how much we want to be changed. And is it worth it? Because Peter died a crucified death because he thought the story was pretty good. He thought it was worth it. Maybe we won't be called to die that kind of death, but it is worth it. So, Jesus sees potential in you and he calls it out. Whether you're in high school, whether you're 80 years old, he sees potential in you and he's calling it out. What you have to decide is do you believe him? You're a kingdom of priests, you're called. Your mistakes and failures do not define who you are. As a matter of fact, your character is revealed in how you respond. There's a story of a friend of mine who uh, made some mistakes and he defined himself by his mistakes. And he, and he fought that battle for five years. And there were a number of people that came around him and that kept encouraging him. And he's like, yeah, but I'm a this. No, that's what you did. That's not who you are. You're a son of God. I've got plans for you, says the Lord. And he has plans for him. And the redemption that I've seen in that is so encouraging. I'll, encouraging, I'll take that with me for the rest of my life. You can be redeemed. How will you respond when you make those mistakes? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to run away from God because things are tough and it's going to get better? I've never heard the story of people running away from God and it got better. Are you going to embrace it? Are you going to allow community in? Are you going to share your heart and let people uh, carry those burdens with you and do life with you and give wise counsel and be together and be connected? Your calling in God's kingdom does not change because you blew it. You guys get a front row seat to watch me blow it a lot. This is my first rodeo. It's not a rodeo, it's a church service, but this is my first time being a senior pastor. I got lots of mistakes that you guys get to, get to witness and how you guys are going to work with me through those mistakes. We'll say a lot about what kind of church we are, right? I'm trying not to blow it. I'm trying not to. But guess what? I'm going to mess up. We're probably in front of you. Probably already have in the last 20 minutes. But those don't define who we are. And God's redemption of us to other people shows hope. I'm a hope giver. I can't wait to wear my shirt. We've got a Sunday coming up and I got this really cool shirt that says hope dealer right on the front of it. Hopefully I'll be a little thinner. I've enjoyed vacation quite a bit. Um, so I'm gonna have to trim up to get in that or not wash it or something. Um, but hope dealer. Are you allowing him to redeem your story? Are you a hope dealer? Are you giving hope? And do you know, again, like I said before, do you know how to share your story with others so it glorifies God? 
It's not about all the great partying you used to do. And man, woo, don't celebrate that stuff. That's the dead you. That's the old you. The new you. And this is how God has forever changed. This is where God is taking me and my family and the future. And we're going to act different and be different because we have a God who loves us and who mentors us and who shows us. Do you know your story and are you going to let it glorify God? It's an amazing story right here with us. We celebrate it every week. This really happened, by the way. Like he really died a horrible death. And the world shook and the veil was torn. And he wants to work with us. He wants to partner with us. And what does that partnership look like when we uh, go to reach the world with Jesus one person at a time? It's right here. It's right, it's like in our own little circle right here, guys. Yeah, there's people in Africa that need Jesus and there's people within 100 yards in these apartment complexes right behind us that need Jesus badly. And in your community, and in your job. I was amazed walking through Farmer's Market. I was like, most of these people don't go to the church that I think is big and is awesome in our area. I didn't recognize 80% of those people. We have lots of work to do right here and what we want to do is we want to introduce them to your story that leads to showing off who God is. Amen? So the Lord Jesus, on that night he was betrayed, he took that bread, and when given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. The story's important. Do it in remembrance of me. Let's remember our Father. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, and let's remember his story. Lord, I thank you for this time. Lord, I um, ask that you just continue to show us how, how you change people, how you forever change Peter's life by calling him. That was the free, and you said, follow me. And after he blew it and made all those mistakes, the way I envision that you looked at him now, the way you redeemed him, and you told him to follow you then again. Lord, continue to call us to follow you. We want to be the church that you've designed. We want to love well, Lord. Allow us to be real, vulnerable, transparent, and point to you, Father. We say this in your name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life on the Palouse. You can find out more about us by visiting us online at liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.